I want to, uh, I want to invite you. Uh, we're going to be at Matthew 5, verse 7. And before we begin there, I, I want to, we've been talking about, see, as I allude to this thing, the festival of, of, the, of King Jesus, really what this is about is celebrating the ways of Jesus. And again, I, I've been leaning heavily into Mark Scandrett's book, The Ninefold Path of Jesus, which really is about learning to embrace the ways of Jesus and looking at the Beatitudes as a means of saying, how can these ways begin to touch my life? And so I'm going to invite you to stand up with me for just a minute, and I'm going to lay the microphone down just for a moment. Um, so what I'd like to do, go ahead and stand up with me. If you can remember these, let's see if we can remember together, because we're going to take a pause. We're going to jump into Advent. Uh, next week, and then we're going to pick back up on the remaining, I think, four or so Beatitudes on January 1 and uh, finish out that series. So uh, as we think about the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And what we looked at was that uh, the, the way of trust, so if you would, just go ahead, Denise is with me, my wife is with me, go ahead, you want to follow me? Because we come into this life with this clinging, clenched fists. Uh, the blessed are the poor in spirit. So if you feel comfortable going ahead and doing that, the way of trust is open-handed trust before Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The, 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 uh, the knee-jerk in us is to turn away from pain, but what we're invited to do is to face pain. And the posture that we've, we're invited to look at is that the way of lament is to look at pain and to lament those things that are worthy of lamenting. And that in the place of lament, Jesus can birth new life. So if you're comfortable doing that, go ahead. Uh, the way of lament. Blessed are the gentle and the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The way of humility. And, you know, what we looked at is that a knee-jerk is oftentimes we want to compare compete with others, want to size them up, uh, but that our encouragement was to bow, put our hand on our chest, and to bow to the worth and the dignity of what God has given in humanity first, in the dignity of our own worth and the worth of others, and we bow to the dignity and the worth of Jesus and to one another. All right, um, blessed are the those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be filled. We looked at the way of justice uh, last week, and that uh, the, there is this sense within us that sometimes we get overwhelmed, and there's an apathetic sort of response, like, okay, what can I do? Passive Passivity. But our encouragement is to recognize the way of justice is to embrace that this is God's heart toward us, is that justice is revealed in my life. All right, today we're going to talk about the blessed are the merciful, amen? For they will be shown mercy, or however it is that's, that it is uh, written in your translation, uh, they'll be shown mercy or they will receive mercy. We're going to talk about the way of compassion, amen? All right, you may be seated. If, uh, are you... Are we queued up? Do you have that video ready to go? All right. I want to encourage you. Uh, we're going to go ahead and just watch a short video, and then I want to jump into talking about the way of mercy.
Okay, I had to get that line in there. Very good. You're very smart. Now shut up. Okay. Part of my sermon actually in there. I can't believe it. Okay. Um, if you're familiar with that, that, that little short little part of the story, it's humorous because what happens for this young lad as his grandfather is reading this book is that he is he's getting caught up in the story and he's doing exactly what all of us do. He's figured out who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. And the good guy gets the treasure, gets the girl, gets the recognition, and the bad guy gets, hopefully, what's coming to him, right? If, the, if that happens, it's a really good story. Uh, it, and then, of course, what you saw there was this, this young man going, wait a minute, wait a minute, this can't be right. Because it's always got to turn out this way. See, the other thing that happens in those, when we hear those kind of stories is that there's this internal question that goes on inside of us, which is, am I the good guy or am I the bad guy? Now, um, in that transactional view that, by the way, has informed many of us in how we interact with other people, which is nothing other than Old Testament, eye for an eye, tit for tat. It is brutal, okay? Um, because let, let me just point out what happens in that kind of world. You can have a public servant uh, who's given themselves for years and make one really, really bad decision and watch what happens to them. We have a name for that now. We, we, we say that they're canceled, right? Uh, because of some kind of you know, scandal or maybe even unverified rumors that have happened in their life. Now, the Scriptures, by the way, give us a very clear warning about this sort of posture of our heart and our life. It is, it's indicative of how we sort of measure things up. Are they good? Are they bad? Which one are they? Well, you just go another chapter or so there in the Sermon on the Mount, and you hear Jesus say this. Right after the whole chapter about prayer, fasting, giving, the first thing that Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. With the measure that you use, it would measure it unto you. You see, this issue of measuring up, is a temptation that all of us can sort of fall into. And it, by the way, I, I want to say this again, as, as with several of these things that we're pointing out as we're going through the Beatitudes, it comes pretty naturally. What happens when somebody hurts us or causes pain in our life is that we want to do things that sort of keep them at bay. And internally, what we do is we begin to judge them and we diminish or dismiss them. We size them up in our mind. They're no longer, they're not going to have big influence for me. I'm going to make them small in my mind and in my heart. And it's an emotional survival skill that all of us learn at some kind of early age. You hurt me, I'm going to not let you hurt me. I might even hurt you back. Anyone who've lived through the, through the Cold War experience, uh, it, you know, one of the things that we heard clearly over and over again, our greatest security and survival will be on our ability to respond in kind with a greater threat 
to any nation. What just happened over the weekend? Uh, some little country, some little country on the other side of the world launches a missile. What did we do? Did you catch that, what we did? We launched every inter... Uh, what, what, is, what did I tell you about, baby? Uh, it was, we launched every stealth bomber and massive bomber in our fleet in a matter of minutes. That's what we did. You want to launch a missile? We will show you how small you are. Ooh, that makes us feel big. Now... Here's the point. That kind of mindset and that kind of mentality seems like it works, but there's nothing about it that's redemptive. And, and what it really is is it gives, a, it gives an exposure and it, it reveals how we actually understand justice. And God's form of justice isn't retributive. I need to say that repeatedly. God's justice isn't retributive, it's restorative. Jesus comes to restore mankind to what God always had in mind, to restore him back to the community of friendship in the Garden of Eden. Are you hearing me? He didn't just come back to say, well, you know, I have to, I got to, I guess I'll take your debt. He came to restore and to make whole. So as we begin to consider the ways of Jesus, we have to have a better mental picture in our mind. If the mental picture in our mind is a God who's pointing a finger or who's sizing us up and showing you how small you are, I invite us this morning on a journey of allowing our heart and our mind to be renewed into a different understanding of what God's heart actually looks like. It, it matters. It isn't just so that I have an ooey-gooey view of God. It's because I actually understand what His heart is and His work can accomplish in my life. See, when, when, when the judgment of God is informed by a retributive view of justice, we've missed what the judgment seat of God looks like. Do you hear me? When we have these images about judgment, and I sat under teaching like this, that's portrayed, look out, man, because he's coming back. And, and yet, what Jesus reveals about the Father is that judgment is not about retribution and being vengeful. What was the other word you were using this morning, Denise? Retributive and um, was vengeful. Uh, but there was another word we were talking about it this morning on another topic, but it's frequently on our hearts. But let, let me just share with you a, a pastor uh, that you've heard me quote before, Brian Zahn. He, uh, he put out a tweet this last week that is worthy of uh, being repeated. Here, listen to this. If Jesus is to be trusted, it seems uh, we will not be judged by how rightly we believed. Ooh, what? but by how well we have loved. Go ahead, and I got Bible, I'm entire Bible chapters that underscore what he just made, that statement that he just made there. The judgment seat of Christ is not a theological quiz, but an evaluation of love. Have I surrendered to love? And God says this over and over in the Scriptures. Beloved, I'm not like you. Your difficulty is that you think, I'm like you. I'm not. 
So you have these pictures in the Old Testament, and they're really wonderful words, okay? The, the, the Lord uh, Jehovah Jireh, my, uh, uh, my provider, Jehovah Rophe, my healer, Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteousness, um, uh, uh, what's the one for peace? Um, Jehovah Nis, yeah, my banner. Is a, uh, anyway, there's all these words, and they're worthy of remembering. But what I want to say is this. In the Old Testament, those are words where people said, this is how I've experienced God. Let me say this to us. If you've not spent time in Exodus 34, I invite you to. You've heard me preach on this repeatedly, but it's worthy of repeating over and over. When Moses said, hey, God, I want to see you. He said, You're not, I'm not going to live through that. But what I'm going to do is put you, hide you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to let my goodness pass in front of you, and I will declare my name. So God is revealing God. First time in the scripture that we had that. The next time that God is revealing God is in the person of Jesus. Right? So God is revealing himself. He's saying, this is what I'm like. The Lord, the Lord. Here's my name. I'm going to declare it. First word, first name, compassionate. The Old Testament word for compassion here is hesed. If you want to write that down, it's H-E-S-E-D. Or if you want to be really Hebraically correct, it's C-H-E-S-E-D, chesed. God says, this is what I'm like. So our, our judgments, our judgments, think about this. The ways that oftentimes we, we diminish others or dismiss them. And Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. Oh, wait. That's the Hebrew word for compassion. It's the same word, hesed. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive what they need the most, mercy. What if Jesus is revealing that there's actually another way to live? You don't have to, you don't have to diminish someone else, but that maybe there's another place to live, that we could begin to believe in a God who's not dismissing or diminishing us on the basis of our action, but delights in us on the basis of what exists in Him. Hesed, love. What if we could let go of our need to make other people small in our eyes or our vision? What if there's another place that we could begin to view other people from, from mercy? Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Jesus is proclaiming, beloved, another way to live. He's revealing the heart of the Father, and it looks like not, not a a firmly set path but of showing how small you are in his eyes and pointing his finger, but how big the heart of the Father actually looks like. Blessed are the merciful. Jesus is revealing that the power of the way of compassion, the mercy, love, and acceptance that we long for can be experienced as long as we learn to see others through the eyes of mercy and compassion. Here's the truth. We are all deeply loved. Mercy triumphs over judgment, promising us kindness that goes beyond the consequences of our action or the retribution that we feel other people deserve. 
Let me give this statement. This statement is worthy of remembering. I'm, this is straight from Mark Scandrett, but it is the good news that we proclaim this morning. Mercy dares us to believe that the truest thing about us is not that we are broken or flawed, but that we are beloved. I want to repeat that again. Mercy dares us to believe that the truest thing about us is not that we are broken or flawed, but that we are beloved. And beloved, that is good news. Boy, I'm going to quote another something from social media. It sounds like I was on social media a lot. <laughs> I just have a few folks that I really appreciate, okay? Um, this is a pastor from South Africa. His name is Francois de Troyes. He's uh, currently translating the entire Bible. And uh, the, the, the translation that he, his translation is called the mirror translation, more of a paraphrase, but it's beautiful. I like it. But he made this statement. Listen to this. Jesus did not come to politely apologize on his father's behalf for a faulty design. He came to prove that God did not make a mistake when he made you. He rescued us from the lies that we believed about ourselves. The lie died. The original authentic you revived. Mercy dares us to believe that the truest thing about us is not that we are broken or flawed, but that we are beloved. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive what they need the most. Mercy. Beloved, the way of compassion that we're talking about this morning, I, I, I want to, oh, yeah, just stay, you'll stay with me, right? Uh, I'm, I'm just going to act like I don't see the clock. Um, here we go. The way of compassion. Listen, here's the thing that many of us, see, I, I've memorized the Beatitudes years and years ago, and, and for me, I, as I shared with you, it internalized differently for me when I originally memorized them. And part of that is because when I thought about being you know, merciful, it's like I, I, I want to be the nicest version of me. Beloved, I, I want to invite us into thinking maybe a little bit different. The way of compassion is not a, a little nicer version of you, but encountering something totally other than us, mercy. That existed in God. That according to the psalmist, oh my goodness, I was, I was meditating on this uh, a, a couple of weeks back as I was praying through Psalm, um, which one is it? 103. Um, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your mercy towards those who fear you. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, Lord, that's mind-blowing. But wait a second, just a, just a couple of days earlier, I saw another one of those pictures from that web telescope that now is, who knows how far out there, right? It's way out there in the universe, and it's showing us these spectacular, vivid images of the universe. And I begin to go, oh, my goodness, all I can see with my eyes is that, and now I can begin to see this, and it's like that, and... Your mercy is bigger than that? Lord, I, remind me. What did God say again to, to Moses, Exodus 34? I'm compassionate. Hesed. So what, what does hesed mean? I'm going to give you two or three definitions. Here's one. Hesed means to give oneself fully with love and compassion. 
So rabbinic teachers proclaim this, that the Torah, first five books of the Old Testament, begins and ends with hesed. It is God's proclamation of his fierce love and compassion. Hesed love, listen to this, it's not a feeling, but Rather, love that's completely undeserved and marked by generosity and kindness. It's the, it's the parent caring for the extreme autistic child that will never fully understand or be aware of the, of the cost that that parent is paying to care for that child. That is chesed. It's faithful. It's loyal. It's not just a feeling. It's an action. Another theologian, Lois Verberg, defines Hesed this way, and I love it. Hesed intervenes on behalf of loved ones and comes to their rescue. The Lord, the Lord, Hesed. Coming to our rescue, it's the most fundamental characteristic of the God that we proclaim. And it's consistent with everything that he's revealed about his nature. Another Bible scholar, Daryl Bach, says it this way, has said, is wrapping up in itself all the positive attributes of God, love, covenant, faithfulness, mercy, grace, kindness, loyalty, in short, acts of devotion and loving kindness that go beyond the requirements of duty. Has said, no wonder the Hebraic word for love is has said. It's large. So I want to say this right now. To embrace the way of compassion, the way of mercy, is for me to be captured and captivated by chesed. Lord, what motivates all of that stuff that's going on in heaven? As high as the heavens are above the earth. Chesed. See, judgment. Again, it comes naturally. I'm going to make you small. I'm going to make you feel small in my mind, in my heart. But the revelation of Jesus in his life is that mercy that's completely other than that fills all of heaven. That's the way of compassion. So how do I begin to embody that posture? Well, Mark Scandrett uh, suggests that we do something. Again, we're going to have a physical response here. And it looks like this. And I'm not very good at it, but here we go. He invites us to take up our hands, to make a little Valentine heart, and to say, Lord, that's how I want to look at others. Come on, baby, make your heart. There we go. All right, honey. All right? Now begin to look with compassion. So, so the re here's the reason. It's a physical reminder that the way of compassion it, it, it means that it's a posture in how I will choose to see others. Now, I'm going to remind you of a, of a really good Bible story. I don't have time to go into all of it, but, you know, uh, Jesus had a question that was asked of him. His friends said, um, I'm going to give a loose paraphrase, okay? They came up and said, Jesus, how often do I need to forgive? So here's my paraphrase. His friends came up and said, when do I get to dismiss this person? When do I get to make them small <laughs> and insignificant in my life? And Jesus said, well, let me tell you a story. There's a servant who owed his master a million dollars. This is Ben's paraphrase again. 
but you could take the original language and pretty much get there, okay? He's on a servant's salary. He comes before his master and says, oh, just have mercy on me. I'll repay the debt. He's never going to pay it back. He doesn't, no resource, cannot do that. Sounds familiar. That's me. I'll never be able to repay. Oh, oh, just have mercy on me. The master has, you know, he feels compassion, according to Jesus, on the servant, and he forgives the entire debt. That, that servant goes out and finds his fellow servant, grabs him by the throat. Oh, wait a minute. That servant owed, owed him, like, lunch for the last three weeks. hundred bucks. In comparison. Grabs him by the throat and says, you will pay me back. Another servant saw how that servant was behaving with that dude and went to the master and said, you're not going to believe this. And in verse 33, this is, these are Jesus' words, Matthew 18 out of that parables. The master calls that servant before him and said, should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same that I had mercy on you, beloved, the way of compassion is to choose the posture of compassion with others. The posture of surrendering to mercy and extending mercy. Now, you know, I was talking about the, you know, making the, sh- the, the Valentine heart that we look at one another. Uh, and some people have said, you know, this is the way that Jesus looks at you with rose-colored glasses. Again, another quote from Francois de Troyes. Okay? But it's worth sharing. Are you ready for this? Some people that think that grace, and the grace of God, is looking at the world through, with Jesus' glasses on. He can't really stand the thought of you, but he's okay with Jesus. That's like kissing your wife, but thinking about somebody else. Doesn't really work, does it? You want to know the real truth of the gospel? God knows you. He likes you. And he loves you. So as I surrender to that mercy then I can begin to extend it to others. So the beginning point of the way of compassion is to love as I have been loved. When I understand God's gaze, it informs how I gaze. Lord, you don't have a pointing finger. You're not making me small. Your heart is filled with astounding love, and the resounding revelation of the life of Jesus is that it verifies this reality, the overwhelming love of the Father who's running to meet us. So how do I, how do I embrace the posture and the way of compassion? As I begin, to, I begin to say, Lord, help me. I want to surrender, first of all, to your mercy and proclaim that mercy through others. So two others. And one other cue, one other scripture I want to point to, and then I'm going to point to three quick things, okay? One is this. Mark 10, verse 21. 
Mark gives us a record of the rich young ruler that Luke records as well. But Mark's record of it is interesting because Mark says this in Mark 10, verse 21, that when Jesus looked at him, well, let me just read it. Looking at him, Jesus felt love for him and said, go sell everything you have. Now watch. Mark reveals that the first impulse of Jesus was not about correcting. His first impulse was loving him. It was a heart discipline. So, beloved, I want to say this. As we surrender to mercy, that we begin to say, Lord, I want to believe you that the discipline of mercy, that that would be the discipline of my heart, to surrender to mercy first and foremost. So, to live the way of compassion is to, number one, embrace a heart discipline of love. Mark shares in his book a phrase that he's learned, uh, an internal dialogue that goes something like this, that whether he says it out loud or, or to himself, when he sees others, he simply says, child of God, may you be well. I don't know if you need to do that. Sometimes I do. But it's a posture that says, I want to see. I want to see with compassion other people. Identify them as the person that God has identified. Number two is to embrace the discipline, first of all, of the, the a heart posture and a heart discipline of love, but then a discipline of positive speech. Um, what if we choose to speak words of compassion and affirmation about ourselves and then others and choose to avoid making critical and disparaging comments? Well, I'll only say what's true. Well, that isn't, doesn't necessarily make it the most helpful. What if I choose to allow my speech? And I, I've got a lot of scripture that we can talk about there, right? Only speak those things that are helpful for building others up. Number three, embracing a discipline of letting go of past hurts and pains. And man, oh man, that is easier said than done. Um, See, like it or not, we all have a tendency to hold ourselves to a different standard than those who've hurt us. Um, so we're invited by Jesus to forgive, and yet it's, man, what, what would it be like to live today in the mercy that God has given to me with others? Well, it means that I, I choose to let go. So let me say a couple of things about forgiveness. One is it is a choice. It's not a feeling. Number two, it's not a finished event. At least in my life, it's never really been. Right, babe? We just had a talk this morning. It wasn't between us, by the way. It was because other relationships. See, it's a choice to live with the consequences of someone else's sin in my life. Now, that is not the same as reconciliation. Forgiveness is a choice to let the hook out of my own heart. 
when I don't, that hook hangs in me. That's, you know, one person has said unforgiveness or not, not allowing these kinds of hurts and things to, to go, not giving them in forgiveness is like drinking poison expecting the other person to die. The only thing that kills is our own heart, right? So the way of compassion is when we choose, wait, watch this, to be compassionate with ourselves and curious and surrender to the mercy of God because there I will receive the mercy that I need there. And to not allow the hurt or resentment to continue to hold sway over my heart. This isn't about making our, ourselves feel shame or for the hurt, but rather to surrender to the mercy of the Father, that His kindness always leads me to a different way to think and to live with other people. Jesus, beloved, is proclaiming there is another way to live, the way of compassion. Blessed are the merciful for they will receive what they need most, mercy. Love and acceptance that we long for can only be experienced as we learn to see others through the eyes of mercy and compassion. See, the reality, beloved, this morning that we're proclaiming is that we indeed are deeply loved and that mercy triumphs over judgment, promising us kindness that goes beyond the consequences of our action or the retribution that we feel others deserve. Mercy dares us to believe that the truest thing about us is not that we are broken or flawed, but that we are loved, beloved. And beloved, that's good news. Amen? It's the way, the way of compassion. You know, one of the things I've been recognizing is, A, the simplicity of these beatitudes. Maybe even some... Overlap, and that's okay. Beloved, at this point in my life, I want these to be what mark my life more than anything, the way of Jesus. I want that to be true out of my life. Amen? So I want to invite you. Would you I'm going to invite you to stand and pray with me. And this is a prayer that I found that, uh, interestingly, Pope Francis wrote. But uh, it's a fantastic prayer for mercy. So would you stand and pray this prayer with me? Let's pray this together. Lord Jesus Christ, you have taught us to be merciful like the Heavenly Father and have told us that whoever sees you sees him. Show us your face and we will be saved. Your loving gaze freed Zacchaeus and Matthew from being enslaved by money, the adulteress and Magdalene from seeking happiness only in created things made Peter weep after his betrayal, and assured paradise to the repentant thief. Let us hear, as if addressed to each one of us, the words you spoke to the Samaritan woman, if you knew the gift of God. You, Lord Jesus, are the visible face of the invisible Father, of the God who manifests His power above all by forgiveness and mercy. Let the church be your visible face in the world. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. God, have mercy. Amen. Lord, as we come to this, your table, if you're on the call, I want to encourage you to grab something there as we share in communion together.